Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Well, welcome to another episode of Superheroes of Science. We are here with Imril Sharir, um, who is here at Purdue University um, researching in the field of drug development. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate you taking time because uh, the research you're doing is extremely important and uh, obviously to everyone in the world. Right. Um, so that's a big population. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But when we say drug discovery, what do you mean by that? What do you, what is it that you're researching? I know that I asked you earlier beforehand, it's like, Mike, are you like an organic, organic chemist? What are you really? And you're like, well, I do biology and chemistry, and you can't really define and put. You refuse to not me put you in a box. Yeah. Which is probably safe. Yeah. But uh, so what? What is explain drug discovery? What does a scientist like yourself do? in the field of drug discovery. Okay, so I have to say that drug discovery is an interdisciplinary field. So it's a kind of a borderless science. There's no border. So we can't define drug discovery by physics, chemistry, biology, or uh, any other uh, particular field. Drug discovery encompasses all the areas of science, I would say. So for example, when you want to discover a drug, you have to find a disease that you want to treat. And for that particular disease, you find a protein. So a protein that that is a biomolecule, uh, so that you want to target. So if I target that protein with a small molecule or a peptide or something that can modulate the function of that protein. So uh, that's your first step, so to identify a target so that you want to shoot at. So that's the first step. So to identify a target, you need to uh, have a lot of understanding of biology. So how the biology of that particular protein actually works. And then the next step is uh, if you are interested in small molecules, so the, the chemist that we are interested in, so I'm trained as a chemist. My undergrad and my uh, PhD is also in chemistry and in the organic division. Uh, yeah. okay. yes, I, feel, I feel justified right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, so we want to find small molecules that can bind to that protein and selectively so we don't want that molecule to bind to everything in your body because your body has a lot of proteins. So we want to find a molecule that binds selectively only to that particular protein that we want to target. So it's a very selective one. And for that we can do screening. So we can use computational tools so to do in silico in our computers. We can screen against those proteins and also then we can uh, after we identify some promising candidates. So you start for example with a light of millions and then you uh, narrow it down to maybe a 10 or 20 molecules that you want to test in the lab then you can uh, from that from in uh, you do some in vitro testing so in the lab and finally we can take it to in vivo so to test in mice and or in any other animal models so uh, in the whole drug discovery process uh, for when you identify a molecule you have to synthesize it so there comes the chemistry so you need uh -huh. to find an efficient way to make that molecule so that uh, it, it has got high yield and all the good properties characterizations so there the chemistry is involved and when you are 
testing it in, for example, in human cell lines or uh, in vitro or in animal models, there comes a lot of biology. You have to learn how to handle mice, how to do injections. So there you are also involved in some sort of uh, basic medical science or uh -huh. yeah, animal procedures. And you get to do surgeries and collect lungs and uh, measure virus titers, so, so many things. So starting from uh, identification of a target, to testing it in uh, animal models mm -hmm. so that ultimately we can take it into human clinical trials. So that's the whole path of drug discovery. Well, you, you make it sound so simple, and it, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very lengthy process, of course. <laughs> yeah. Now, refresh my memory a little bit. I know I've, people have told me before, but it's obviously I don't remember much. Uh, when you say a protein, what, mm -hmm. what, and I know there's all kinds of proteins in the body and stuff. Now, why is it we're trying to bond to a protein? Okay, so uh, protein is a biomolecule. So it's a natural polymer. It's a polymer of amino acids that we call it. So amino acids, a lot of amino acids, they come together and form a protein. And right. this protein are, does everything in your body. It can transport molecules from uh, outside of the cells to inside. It can transport ions, it can, uh, do so many functions, it can induce some signaling that is important for a particular function in your body. For example, your metabolism or to fight against diseases, to uh, activate your immune system. For example, how your immune system, so immune system is our, uh, like the policing system in our body. Uh, so whenever we have an infection from something outside like a virus or a bacteria, then uh, that immune system gets activated. So how the immune system actually knows through some proteins. So proteins play all the role in identification of whether uh, there's any foreign thing is in your body or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so proteins do everything in our body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, it, what is it you're researching now? Okay, currently our focus is on influenza. So we are trying to develop a new drug against influenza infections. So, because influenza, we know that there's a vaccine, we get flu shot every year, yeah. yeah. But the vaccine coverage is not that high and the vaccine effectiveness is not that great. Uh, and the antiviral drugs we have currently has also limited efficacy. Mm -hmm. So you have to take them uh, within 48 hours of getting flu symptoms. So to make that work effectively. Mm -hmm. But if you are uh, at a later stage, uh, then it would not work, it won't work as expected. So uh, there's a limitation, and all uh, the efficacy also uh, is different because uh, it only will reduce your symptoms by one or two days. So uh, that is not great. We want a rapid recovery from viral infection. So uh, there we thought actually how we can specifically target the virus infected cells and the virus particles. So we wanted to identify a protein that is expressed only on the infected cells and not on your healthy cells in your body. Okay. So that's a targeted approach. So that actually what, what our lab does in Dr. Lau's lab, we try to do targeted therapies. So for example, we work on a lot of cancers. So we want to find a protein that is expressed only on the cancer cells and not on your healthy cells. Oh. So that you can directly target the cancer cells and kill them. So in case of virus infection, we do the same. So we target the virus infected cells specifically and the virus particles and nothing else. So for that, you need to find a protein. And then we, what we do is we actually take the advantage of our immune system. 
So we have another, so we, we actually develop a small molecule that can find and locate where your infections are in your body and then uh, call in your immune system, hey, there's an infected cell, kill it, kill it. Hey, there's a virus, kill it. So it sends that message to your immune system to come and kill specifically. And with that, you can get a rapid reduction of uh, viral titer in your lungs that we have seen in mouse models. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you've seen, so you're, you're seeing positive results yes. in the stuff you're yeah. testing now. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you might be eventually releasing something that will like stop the flu. Yes. So, uh, for example, you get a flu infection or someone in your house maybe got an infection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you just go to the doctor's office and uh, if you test positive, just take a single dose. So, our drug is a single dose drug. So, oh. with just a single dose, within 24 hours, we see complete uh, elimination of viral load from the lungs. In mice, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. On small but, scale. yeah, on a small scale. But in large animal models, we are going to test and, of course, uh, the ultimate goal is to take it into human yeah. trials. Yeah. There, I've always heard there's lots of different strains of influenza. So with this, how would this drug, like, affect? Is it is it for one strain? Is, is it? work with multiple that's strains? A, that's a very great question. So uh, we target a protein that is called neuraminidase. Okay. So N. So we, we are probably familiar with H1N1. Yeah. Uh, so these okay. are actually proteins. So H stands for hemagglutinin and N stands for neuraminidase. And there are different types. That's why we call H1N1, H5N1, H7N9. I've never understood that. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's how we, uh, the virus strains are nomenclature. For example, uh, avian influenza is H5N1. People are uh, very scared about right now because uh, it is very dangerous, highly pathogenic. Uh, and uh, the seasonal influenza, we are familiar with H1N1. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, our drug, we target neuraminidase and it binds with all types of neuraminidase. So, N1, N2, N3, N4. So, okay. any type of neuraminidase we have tested, it binds to all of them. So, it's not just for a particular flu strain. It's against multiple strains, and we have tested against uh, the seasonal influenza strains, the pandemic strains. Uh, there was a 2009 pandemic for influenza, so uh, our drug works against that. And also, we tested against. So there are two subtypes of influenza, A and B. So mm -hmm. it works against both. So it's a, a you can say, a universal flu drug. So not just for one particular strain. Uh, so how do you test on a person? Do you, I mean, do you give them the flu? And then oh, give them the medicine? I mean, I mean, are, are you just looking for a pawn? I'm not volunteering, by the way. Uh, is that what you do? If I have someone volunteer, hey, we're going to give you the flu, but we might cure it? Or do you just try to find someone that has it? That's a great question. So uh, currently, the how it works is once you have proven, first you have to prove that it is safe to use in humans. Okay. That's the phase one clinical trial. That's true for any drug. So any drug you develop, the first thing you have to prove is safety. Now how do you prove that? Do so you just inject a You just inject healthy volunteers. Okay. <laughs> But before you would do that, you would kind of have... Yeah, because first you have to do a lot of toxicity and uh, safety-related okay. studies in animal uh -huh. models, and not just one animal. So that would be maybe in dogs, rats, cyanomalgus monkeys, and of course mice, you have the preliminary data. So from all these animal studies, so FDA would require uh, systematic toxicity studies, safety studies in animal models. Okay. So before they approve that, yeah, you can take it into humans. Mm -hmm. So of course, 
course you have to spend a lot of time and it uh, that's it requires it becomes expensive because when you go to large animal models those studies are very expensive mm -hmm. so yeah, that makes the drug discovery process uh, an expensive one of course so you have to test all sorts of safety concerns and then the FDA will give you a green signal okay now you can test it in humans wow. and that's the phase one clinical trial where you can inject uh, your drug into healthy volunteers and to see whether it is safe okay. so so and you, once, yeah. When you first start testing, you're not looking for actually no, sick. No, it's just like, for safety. This just we got side effects. Right. Side effects. Right. right. And and also the dose. How much drug you can actually dose? Uh, how much high higher dose? That's called a dose escalation study. So what? Uh, how? What's the maximum dose you can actually inject into humans uh, without causing any side effects? So do you yeah. just keep and raising it until somebody yeah, like there's a dose rate? No, no, no. Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> That's a question. People have wondered this. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, so you can actually uh, guess your safe dose range from animal studies, yeah. and from there you can see how much actually. So you start with a lower dose, and there's a dose ranging intervals, and, uh, and so that you can say that from this dose to this high dose, uh, the drug uh, uh -huh. doesn't have any safety issues. Okay. So. First, you want to make sure that it is safe. Okay. Well, well, you know, I've seen right. movies where, you know, Movie. oh. well, it work. they just like threw that body out and got another person. Oh my God. It's, I didn't know if it was like the movies. I don't want to participate in your clinical trials. Like, that's not. <laughs> Probably the best. It's not my job. <laughs> so, yeah, back to your question. So, then in phase two, the phase two, there's there can be two parts. So in phase two, now you want to test your efficacy, whether your drug works or not. Mm -hmm. uh, first, you know that it's safe, but now it has to work. So for that, in case of uh, infectious disease, people do human challenge studies. So that's very common in the field. Human challenge. Human challenge. So you uh, infect healthy volunteers with a viral infection. Oh. And there, there, there are like standard protocols for that. So it, it, the infection won't kill them, but it's okay. very regulated and uh, they will recover naturally. But uh, we just want to see whether our drug works or not. So if we, alternative is we can get uh, patients who get natural infection and then treat them, but there will be a lot of diversity because uh, not everyone will get the same amount of viral load. So uh -huh. there will be a lot of variability. Oh. So uh, when you are just testing it for the first time, it can be a little confusing whether your drug is causing any effect or not. So that's why uh, it's very standard to do a human challenge study. So where you can do, do a particular viral load to all the patients. For example, you take 20 individuals and infect them with the virus with, uh, uh, and then treat them with the drug and see whether it works or not. Yeah. So, so how do you get a hold of that virus? Is it this or are you working with, you have like, like samples of this in the lab? Yes, yeah. So the, the, for example, for infecting mice, we have mouse adapted uh, versions of the influenza virus that can cause lethal infection in the mice. So because we check in mice model, we can actually do a survival study. So we can see how, how what percentage of those animals survive. Mm -hmm. So we can give them a very high load of infect, viral infection to see uh, uh, how effective our drug is. Yeah. But in humans, uh, of course, uh, people will not die during yeah, the infection. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> so in case of humans, we mainly care about the viral load. So when you take the drug, so how soon you can get recovered from the symptoms and how quickly it can kill all the viral infections and virus particles in your body. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I, ma- I imagine it costs a little bit to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing this is not a cheap research. No, of course. It's, it's very expensive. Uh, for example, uh, the initial, the preliminary studies, uh, when you do it in mice, that might not be very expensive. But when even you, if you go to large animal models like ferret models, so even a small study would cost you at least fifty thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. yeah, because the ferrets are expensive mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So yeah. Who? What? What kind of place funds this right. type of research? Okay, uh, that's funding? a very great question. So. Uh, you can get funding from National Science Foundation, NSF, uh, National Institute of Health, NIH. NIH has a subdivision for infectious disease. Uh, so, uh, and also there are government agencies like BARDA, they also fund and uh, you can also get funding from uh, other voluntary organizations like Gates Foundation, uh, Open Philanthropy and uh, uh, Nordisk Foundation. They, they actually recently they have started a PAD program, PAD initiative uh, that is called Pandemic Antiviral Discovery. PAD. Oh, wow. So they are trying to find this new kind of technologies that can handle a future pandemic of influenza. So, uh, and we also recently applied and we got our preliminary uh, approval just today. Yeah, so it's a very lucky day. (laughs) Thank you. So now we are going to submit a full application. So yeah, like like that, uh, they are inviting applications from people who are working on these novel technologies because if there's a next pandemic for influenza, Mm -hmm. so that we can be prepared and we can have a drug that is tested at least in uh, phase one or two human clinical trials. Yeah. So is that what you're ready for at this point? Are you ready for, are you going to large animals? Have you already done that? You're ready to start human trials? So now we are, what we are doing is, till now we have been manufacturing the drug in the lab, very Mm -hmm. small scale, milligram level. But when you want to do all all those toxicity studies in animals, all those safety studies, then you need a lot of materials. So now we are doing a large scale manufacturing Uh. for drug. Okay. So now we have to do it in a kilogram batch or a gram kilogram scale, large scale. So and after that, uh, we, our next plan is to test the all those toxicity and safety studies in uh, mm-hmm. animal models, of course, in large animal models. And also we are trying to uh, do some. So so far we have tested against uh, H1N1 and uh, H3N2 and uh, influenza B. So we also t- want to test against H5N1, which is the highly pathogenic. Uh, avian influenza okay. but for that you need a biosafety level 3 laboratory so uh, we are actually collaborating with other partners to uh, get that facility and, uh, See, and that goes into the uh, it's like the last question I'm going to ask you right <laughs> yeah. because I because you have live virus right yeah. So, do you have like is it is it like in the movies where you have this this room you go into and you get like sprayed down and it's then you walk into the next room and it's like this bio chamber. I mean, is that is that real? Yeah, that's real. That's biosafety level three. So, 
<laughs> so we don't have that here. Uh, we don't have a biosafety level three animal facility here at mm -hmm. Purdue. But uh, Professor Richard Kuhn, uh, his lab has a biosafety level three lab. That's I think for in vitro studies where they work with uh, live viruses okay. uh, and cell lines, but uh, not for animals. So for animals, there are uh, institutes like we are collaborating with Institute of Antiviral Research at Utah State University. They have a biosafety level three lab okay. uh, where actually what you see in movies will be real. Oh, right. I don't know if it's just like, I, don't know that. I know. I need that's to know these question. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is this is exciting. Uh, yes, it and is. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And informative. Yeah. It's we great. appreciate this. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. your time. Thank you. Thank you for coming and chatting with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down!